All right, well, good morning. Hey, uh, welcome again to Faith. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it's good to have you with us in person today. It's good to have you with us online today as well. Uh, before we jump into things for today, I want to take a minute and pray and invite God to be part of this time with us. So would you pray with me, please? Father, thanks just for an opportunity to come and to worship and just to be your church. Father, I want to um, just lift up people in our church family who are struggling right now. Father, we pray for Ann Fielder as she is not doing well and uh, they're considering her for hospice care. Lord, we pray for your hand of mercy on her. Just pray for um, the Jarrell family as um, Margaret has broken her wrist and is looking at surgery this week. We pray for your hand of healing on her. And Father, just as we consider your word and your truth, and who you have called us to be as your church, please open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are in the final week of a series that we've entitled, Excuse Me. And uh, in this series, we've been talking about different excuses. Has there been any kind of thing on this screen as the service has been rolling? There we go, all right, excellent. Sometimes it's turned off and you don't know, you know, and so then you're like waiting for me to put up the slide and they're downstairs going, would you turn it on? So, um, but we're, we're, we're in the last week of the series and we've been talking about really the commission that Jesus gave to us as his church and the, the excuses that get between us and key areas of our spiritual lives that Jesus points out. And so in the first week, we talked about how, you know, faith and, and the excuses they get in between us and having faith and what we can do to get beyond those. And then in week two, we talked about growing spiritually and the role that community plays in that and the excuses that we have that get between us and being part of community. And then last weekend, we talked about, you know, I would serve, but here are all the excuses that I have for not doing that. And, and each week we've been going, hey, what, what can we do to get beyond the excuses and on to God's best for us? And so uh, this weekend, we're looking at the last one, and it's the idea of sharing, and specifically this idea of sharing the faith that we ourselves have as people who are following Jesus with people around us who maybe don't have that faith. Now, when we have this conversation, typically there are two kinds of people in the room, two kinds of people who are watching online. On one hand, you have folks who, who do not yet have faith. They haven't crossed the line of faith. They, they haven't surrendered their lives to Christ. They're trying to figure this thing out. And, and if today, that's you in the room of today, that's you watching online, a couple things for you. First of all, I love that you are here. I love that you are watching online. And I am doing, I, I, you, my commitment to you is to do everything I can to make sure that church is a safe place for you come, to come and ask questions and try and figure this whole faith thing out. Second thing, though, is, is for you, Today's kind of a day off because it's silly to expect you to share a faith that you yourself don't have yet, all right? So if you, if you haven't crossed the line of faith, you have my permission to kind of sit back, to relax, to take it all in and watch the people around you squirm a little bit, all right? <laughs> and, and I say squirm, you know, like half joking and half serious because the other group of people in a conversation like today are the people who do have faith. 
people who have surrendered their lives to Christ. And, and for some of us, days like today are uncomfortable because we know we should be sharing that, but we know we're not. We know Jesus kicked off the Great Commission by saying, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. Which I love that because that is such a bold statement on Jesus' part. People who are like, well, Jesus was a good teacher and maybe he was a good prophet, but that was it. It's like, did, did you read the things this man said? Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, in other words, in light of that church, here is job number one. Go and make disciples. The faith you have found, share that with others. Help them find that faith themselves. And we know Jesus has said that, but we're not doing it. And so today's like today become uncomfortable. And so we're like, well, I would share my faith, but, and we've, we've got all these excuses that we fill the blank in with here for why we're not doing what we know Jesus has called us to do. And so, you, you know, you start to squirm a little bit in your seat and you're like, this is getting, a, you know, uncomfortable in here for me. And if you're part of the second group, here's, here's the commitment today. We're not going to try and beat you up. Not going to try and shame or guilt you. Instead, we're going to try and come alongside you and be like, hey, here's some practical, tangible, accessible things that every one of us here in this room today are, are watching at home that we can do. We, we can live into this if we're followers of Jesus. So in an effort to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote in the, in the book of Colossians, where Paul talks about sharing faith, and he kind of like addresses some of the classic excuses that we have for why we're not. So if, if, we'll have it up on the screen if you want to open up your device, your Bible, follow along, you can. Colossians 4, Paul starts off and, and he says, and pray for us too. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what we're going to do today is just real simple. We're going to go, hey, here's an excuse. Here's how Paul would respond to that. So we'll just jump right in. Excuse number one. I'd share my faith, but... I don't have anybody in my life to share it with. Now, the, the idea behind this is really quite simple. It's like, all right, you, you only have so much relational capacity. There's only so many hours in a day. Only so many people you can fit into your living room, right? And here's the thing. If you hang around church long enough, it's easy to get to a place where all your relationships are filled up with church people. Like where everybody you know and interact with on a regular basis is somebody who already has faith. So you're like, I know Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples, but everybody I know, somebody already done got to them. And so like, I'd share my faith, but everybody I know, like they're already, they already have faith. Here's how I think Paul would respond to that. Paul would say, hey, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul's saying, church, would you pray for me? 
Would you pray that, that God would open a door, that he would give me an opportunity, that he would create a context for me to share my faith with others? Would you pray for the hearts of the people who I'm going to be speaking with, that they'd be receptive to this kind of conversation? Now, as we get started today, I want to invite you to just think about, do you have someone in your life who you pray like this for? Who's the someone in your life who you're going, God, please open a door with so-and-so. God, please create a context where I could share the message of Jesus with so-and-so. God, please, even, even before I ever say anything to them, please work on their heart. Like, who, who do you have in your life who the, the spirit of this prayer, you could be praying for them that way? And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Mike, I already told you. I don't have anybody in my life like that. I told you, my life is already full of people who are Christians. Like, weren't you listening when we were having that conversation? Like, is this how you listen? Because if it is, what it must be like for your wife back at home, that poor woman. To which I would say, leave my wife out of this. I give her more than enough ammunition as it is, all right? Here's, here's the thing, though. This, this, like, this used to be my excuse. See, people think, oh, well, you're a pastor. You have all these people who don't know Jesus, who are just, you know, like, queued up. You're just lining up, ready to talk to you about the mystery of Christ. And you're just going to, you know, just knock them down one at a time. Just the opposite's true. Like, as a pastor, most of my time, the way my, the, the schedule and my responsibilities work, most of my time is spent with people who already have a relationship with Jesus. And when people find out that I'm a pastor, they don't open up. They clam up. Like, they get all these preconceived notions about what pastors are like. And so, like, I try and hide it. It's not that I'm ashamed of what I do, but I know, like, I'm not going to get the real you the minute you figure out what I do for a living, you know? You're going to treat me differently. You're going to start acting differently. And so I try and, like, keep that away from, I'll be like, I'm a social engineer, you know, whatever I can think of to, like, not completely lie, but not tell them what I do, because I know I, the minute it happens, whoop, you know, it just changes. This used to be, like, one of my number one excuses. And so I, I can remember God speaking to me about this, and I don't know how God talks to you. Like, God does not speak to me with an audible voice. I, you know, it's never been like, work. Yeah, I've never had that happen, all right? It's, it usually is it's this slow burn, this internal sense that I can't shake. And so I remember God saying to me just repeatedly, hey, you need to have some people in your life who you are praying for like this, to share your faith with them. And so what I did is I argued with God about it. I was like, okay, God, you're God, so clearly this is a good idea, but let me explain why this won't work for me. All right? Like, I, I'm like I, don't you understand? My life is completely booked doing stuff for you. Like, my life is completely full. I can't squeeze in another relationship because I am so busy building your church. God, I'm so busy doing stuff for you at church, I don't have room in my life for any more relationships. It's already full of people who already know you. So, that it, again, you're God, so this has to be a good idea, but that's why it won't work for me. So, good talk. We'll talk about something else. 
So God keeps coming, right? And he's like, well, what about the gym? You're at the gym multiple times a week. There are all kinds of people at the gym who don't know me. You hear the way they talk in the locker room. You, you see how they dress. I mean, there's all kinds of people there who you could be praying for like this and seeking to share your faith with. And so I'm like, okay, God, you're God, so it's got to be a good idea. But again, let me explain why this won't work for me. All right? Like when I go to the gym, the philosophy is get in, work out, get out. As quick as you can. I'm not trying to talk to people. I'm not trying to be friendly. I'm not trying to be social because I've got to get to church because there's so much work to get done at church for you. So I can't be hanging around, you know, lollygagging, you know, doing the relationships thing. I'm just going to get in, work out, get out. So again, good idea. That's why it won't work for me. I don't know. Let me know if you got something else. So then God, you know, he quits talking and he just starts messing with me, right? So I'm walking through the lobby of the gym and somebody screams, Pastor Mike! And I'm all like, who was blowing my cover? And it's this woman who went to the church that I used to be on staff at. And not only is she screaming my name in the lobby of the gym at like 120 decibels, but then she goes to introduce me to everybody in the lobby as one of her pastors. We are just getting started, right? So then I'm like, I'm in the locker room. Multiple times, multiple different guys approach me in the locker room, and they're like, you're a pastor, right? Like, How do you know this? Then put some clothes on or, you know. And, and then they, I'm like, yeah, I'm a pastor. And they, they follow it up with a theological conversation, right? Or I'm, I'm working out. I'm in the gym. I'm working out. I'm on one of the machines. I have my earbuds in. That is the universal sign for don't talk to me, right? I'm on the machine. This guy comes walking and starts poking me. Can I help you? You're a pastor, right? Yeah, I'm a pastor. I need somebody to pray for me. Can you pray for me? The straw that broke the camel's back. I'm in the pool. Swimming laps, right? You can't talk to me. I'm underwater, right? This person comes into the pool enclosure, sits down at the end of the pool. Every time I get down to the end of the pool to make my turn, they stick their hand in the water and try to flag me down, right? I'm like, this is not happening. So I try and ignore them. They won't stop every time I come down. They're flagging. So I finally say, I'm like, what? They want to have a spiritual conversation, right? I was like, fine, God, you win. The gym is the place where I will pray for people like this, right, to try and get to know you. So even now that we've moved out this way, I'm at a different gym. I'm at the Y in Farmington Hills. Um, a little plug for the Y. There are people, every time I go into the Y, who I'm praying for like this. I'm just like, God, would you please open up a door? Would you please create a context? Would you please... Get their heart ready to hear from you. Let me ask you, do you have a job? Are there people who you work with who you could pray for like this? Do you have a home? Are there people who live around you who you could pray for like this? You go to school. 
They have classmates or teachers who you could pray for like this. In your community, do you go to the same coffee shop? Do you frequent the same restaurants? Do you go to the gym? Are there places where you are regularly and you see people regularly who you could pray for like this? We're like, well, I don't have anybody in my life like this. And if, if we're honest, most if not all of us, already, it's not adding, we already have someone in our life who doesn't have faith, who we could begin to pray for like this. So before we we move on to the next excuse, I would just, I would invite you just to stop and think, okay, who do I have? Who's the person, who are the people who are in my life already that I could pray in this kind of spirit for? All right, excuse number two. I'd share my faith, but I don't know what to do. Like, I'm praying for these people. The time to talk specifically comes like, I don't know what to do in the middle. I think Paul would say this. I think he would say, be wise in the way. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, this word that we we translate as act, it's literally to, to walk. And the idea is that you have a manner of life, that as you walk through life, you can can do so in such a way that points people to Jesus, right, and and makes them more receptive to to the gospel. Or you can walk through life in a way that that pushes people away from Jesus and makes them more resistant to to the gospel. So, so for example, like say I'm, I'm meeting somebody from church at a restaurant, there are things we can do as we interact with our server if we're, if we're polite and we're kind and we're gracious. If when the food comes, we, we say, hey, we're going to say grace. We're gonna, you know, while we're talking to God, can we pray for you about anything? When the bill comes, if we're generous, listen to me. If you tip under 10%, please do not leave any literature associated with your church, right? <laughs> right? Just don't do it. Right? Like all of those things, we're not specifically talking about the gospel but we are, we are walking in a manner that points that person to Jesus and helps them become more receptive to that conversation when we have it. At the same time, let's say for instance, I'm biking the 275 bike path, just pedaling my little guts out, right? And I'm, and I'm coming down this way and somebody's coming up with their, God bless them, their little ankle biters. That they, 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 there are signs all over the place that say, put your animal on a leash and their animals are running willy-nilly all over the path, right? And so as I'm coming up, I got to jam on the brakes so as not to run over one of their fuzzy little God-blessed things and, and keep from killing myself. So as I drive by, I look at them and the, the, the face that I am, I am wearing is the, the same face you would see on a homicidal maniac right before they choke the life out of you, right? And through gritted teeth, I say, it is called a leash, Now, if you're thinking, that sounds really specific. Is that in, really a for instance, or did that happen? That's none of your business. It's not the point, okay? The point is, like, th- th- there's nothing about that that points a person to Jesus. Like, that just slams the door shut on any future conversation. F.F. F. Bruce said this. 
He said the reputation of the gospel is bound up with the behavior of those who claim to have experienced its saving power. The reputation of the gospel, the message of Jesus, it's all tangled up with the behavior of those of us who have claimed to experience its saving power. The manner in which we walk through life, it can point people to Jesus and open their hearts to his message. It can point people away from him and make them more closed up to his message. Paul says, hey, while you're praying and you're waiting for a specific conversation, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Live in a way that'll point him to Jesus. All right, excuse number three. I'd share my faith, but I don't know what to say. Now, this works itself out in a number of ways. It's like, oh my God, I'd share, I don't know what, to, like the idea of talking about scares me to death. I'd share my faith, but like, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Or I'd share my faith, but it's, you know, I don't know how to work through all the theology. I'm not a pastor. Or I'd share my faith, but what if, they, what if they ask me questions I don't know the answers to? And listen, that's all legitimate. Let's just we'll work through them one at a time. Like, I, I'd share my faith, but the idea of talking specifically about Jesus scares me to death. If that's you... That's okay. Listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians about sharing his faith. He said, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If twice... In the same section, Paul is saying, hey, would you pray for me that I do this fearlessly? If the idea of sharing specifically about Jesus scares you, that's all right. You're in good company. Like, okay, well, fine, but I don't even know where to start. Start here. Start here. Here's what I mean by that. If you're at home watching on the live stream, all right. In, in, the, in the chat stream there, you're going to see a link for a digital invite card for our upcoming series. If you're sitting here in the room, somebody left a physical copy of that invite card, and you're all like, what did they leave this on my seat for? And you moved it over, you stuffed it back in the, in the seat, but picked that thing back up, all right? Use that to invite somebody. We're going to start, next weekend, we're starting a new series called Finding Happiness. And the premise of the series is very simple. This is true for me. It's probably true for you. Most of the people I know want to be happy. There's a few curmudgeonly types who are like, I'm miserable. And it's good they like being miserable. But most people I know want to be happy. And yet so few people I know truly are. Now, why is there a disparity between the, 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 the majority of people who want to be and so few who are? I would contend it's that we look for happiness in the wrong places. And so in this series, we're going to spend time exploring together what has God said to us in the Bible about where happiness can truly be found. And here's the crazy thing about it. 
what some of the best research and science are telling us today about how happiness works, God's been saying that for thousands of years now. So, so you're like, I don't know where to start. Start here. Take the card, give it to your friend and say, hey, we're starting a series on how to increase your happiness quotient. It's going to be really good. I would love to have you come to church with me. Put it on your social media. Send them an email with the graphic. Hey, we're, we're starting this new series about how to, how to really find happiness. I would love to have you come with me. You're like, well, I mean, what, if, what, what when we get to the point where I got to talk about Jesus? I don't know how to do that. Like, I can't walk through all the theology. We make this way more complicated than it needs to be. Just share your story. Share your before, how, now story. Before, how, now. Let's say that together. Before, how, now. If you're online, you're Robeson's in the chat stream, I want to see before, how, now. It's, it's sharing your story, it's as simple as this is what my life was like before Jesus. This is when, when I was the Lord of my life, when sin was the, the, you know, had all kinds of decision-making power, this is what my life looked like. And, and this is how I came to find faith. What compelled me to cross that line and surrender all of who I am to Jesus. And this is how my life is different now. Now, now that I am forgiven, now that I am redeemed, now that Jesus is in charge, this is... This, my life's different in these ways. doesn't need to be all complicated. And frankly, your story is more compelling than, than, than some theological thesis you're going to share. I am here today because about 30 years ago, I listened to Butch share his before and how and now story. As I listened to him talk about, this is what my life was like before Christ, and this is how I found Jesus. It was like listening to somebody share my story. I'm thinking, get out of my head, man. And then he began to talk about what his life was like now that he was following Christ. And, and like, everything clicked. It was like, oh my goodness, that is what I have been desperate for. Just share your story. Like, what, what, if I share my story, what do I do if they ask me questions I don't have the answers to? I got news for you. It's not if, it's when. They're going to ask you questions, and you're not going to have all the answers, and that's okay. It's a complicated, complex world that we live in. It is impossible for one person to have all the answers. That is a completely unrealistic expectation to put on yourself. Somebody asks you a question and you don't have the answer to, here's what you do. You're ready. You write this down. You say to them, I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. And then if, there, if this is somebody you think is serious about having a, a genuine conversation, you say, let me get back to you on that. And then what I'd encourage you to do is get out there and find a book that speaks to the topic they asked you about. And then come back and be like, hey, you asked me that great question. I didn't know the answer. I found this book. Would you like to read it together? So if they, have, you know, if they got questions about like, the, the validity of the resurrection or the historicity of Jesus, you could be like, hey, would you like to read a case for Christ together? 
They're like, hey, you know, how do you know God exists? And what about evolution and, and science? You're like, hey, how about we read Reasons for God together? They're like, well, what about human sexuality and LGBTQ and, and the church? You'd be like, well, hey, what if we read a people to be loved together? They're like, well, hey, what about the history of racism that has existed in the church over the history of our country? And how do we navigate race and faith today? You'd be like, well, what if we read Oneness Embrace together? You're not alone. There are a host of amazing authors who can partner with you in this. If you're like, well, I don't even know where to, like, what book to get a hold of, ask Pastor James. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. He is one of the best read people I know. He'll be like, here are four books on this thing, and he's probably read them all. You know, you can ask any of us. He's the best, you get the best answers from James. Here's, here's what, what I would encourage you to do. Steer towards authors who write with grace and whose writings are seasoned with salt. And steer away from authors who wield truth like a weapon. Because Paul said to us, hey, have an answer, but let it be full of grace. Grace, grace is the goodness of God that we have received at the, the expense of Christ. Our answers should reflect the grace we ourselves have received. And they should be seasoned with salt. Salt makes food more palatable. You don't have to compromise truth. But you can present it in a way that's easier to receive or harder to receive. It doesn't needlessly need to be difficult. So don't do it alone. Get a good book. Offer to read it with them. So again, let me ask you. Who do you have in your life who you could, they're there already. You could be praying like this for. Because Jesus' call to us as his church is to go and make disciples. And, and it doesn't have to be crazy, it doesn't have to be complex. Every one of us in this room, we can pray and we can care and we can share. Every one of us can do that. So would you commit yourself, if you are following Jesus today, would you commit yourself to doing that? If you're online, I would say, hey, pull up, pull up the digital connection card. Like, I already filled it out. Do it again. They're free, right? Fill it out. And in the comments section, would you write the name of the person or the persons who you're going to pray for and care for and share with? Now, if you're here in the room, in, in, in the seat pocket in front of you, there's a connection card. Go ahead and pull that out. Everybody pull it out. Pull it out, wave it at me. I'm just going to sit here. There you go. Come on, pull them out. I see. Come on, Bolognas. Get it, get it going. All right? Now, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, what I, what I would invite you to do before now and the end of service, in the comments section, you don't even have to put your name on there. You write the name of the person or the persons who you're going to pray for, who you're going to care for, who you're going to share with. And then if, if you're online, when you hit submit, you are offering that person and that commitment up to God. If you're here in the room, fold that thing in half. When you're making your way out, you can drop it into the offering plate. And as you do, you are offering that person and that commitment to God. You're like, well, I ain't doing that. Okay. 
I'm going to pray. Everybody's eyes are supposed to be closed. You can just slide that card right back into the seat pocket. If you're like, I, I don't want, no, I'm going to get caught. Don't put anything on there. Fold it in half. Just drop it in the plate, all right? Deceit is one of my spiritual gifts. I, I'm here to help, right? I had a friend who was like, they, they don't have to be on the list. I'm like, oh, really? So um, Jesus called us as his church to make disciples. We can do it. It begins as we pray and care and share. I want to invite you to get beyond the excuses and on to God's best. Would you stand with me, please? Father, before we continue in worship, we want to pray. Father, we want to pray just for the names of the people who we have written down. Father, that you would go before us, that you would open doors, that you create a context, that you would make people's hearts receptive. We want to offer them up to you. Father, we want to offer up a commitment to you to faithfully pray for them, to live wisely among them, and then just to share our story, to invite them to church, try and meet them where they are, and help them navigate this journey of faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.